Good morning, or good afternoon, actually. I'm used to saying good morning. I, uh, it's such a pleasure to be here. Uh, we've had a relationship with Grace Baptist Church for many years through Lily Pang. Many of you would uh, have heard um, Tim and Debbie Vinzani, uh, team leaders and area leaders, come in the past to speak, and it's such a joy that we've been able to partner in sending people such as Lily to uh, China, where she served for many, many years. Um, myself, as, you, as, you, as Ian just mentioned, um, I was born in Singapore, but I, was, I, I grew up in Australia. I spent 30 years there. And for many years, I worked as an engineer in the automotive industry. My wife worked as an, an architect. And then as, uh, as the Lord called us to India, we spent almost 10 years there. You know, the, 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 the thing that always amazes me is that what the Lord can do with an ex-engineer and an ex-architect. And, you know, it, 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 it's surprising. The Lord has used all sorts of people in Scripture. The thing is, he continues to use the most ordinary people. And I, 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 it's such a privilege just to be able to share it with you today. One of the challenges I have today is that the Scripture that's been chosen for me is one of probably the most familiar in Scripture. I'm sure that apart from John 3.16, virtually all of you would have read the Scripture and probably heard dozens of sermons on this topic, but we're going to have to have a look at it again. Um, if you could turn, turn to Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. And I'm also going to read from Matthew 9 straight after that, verse 33 to 38, because it also infuses a sense of God's heart or Jesus' heart for the harvest. So it says, therefore, it begins in verse 18, actually. It says, you know, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. But then he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely, I'm with you always. Chapter 9, verse 38, uh, 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And the Lord asked the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to, to send workers into his harvest field. You know, one of the things that, uh, the, the challenges, apart from this being such a, a super familiar passage, the second challenge I have is that this missions month here at church, and so there's this tendency to pull up the missionaries, my brother Tim and his family and myself, to do the speaking. And we sort of put these people up on the, on the stage and goes, they're the missionaries. And we're part of it. The, the truth is that, you know, if you speak to any missionary and you speak to us, we feel like very, very ordinary people. Um, you know, sometimes when, when I go back to my home church in Australia, it's oh, but we could never do what you do. You know, you do these amazing things, and you, you, you survived India for 10 years, especially when I come to a place like uh, Singapore. Like, um, Singapore seems to have a real phobia about India. It's just almost like, I'm going to die there, you know? And, uh, you know, I brought a three-month-old to India. You know, there's, there's lots of babies in India. More than a billion of them were born there. And so there's a sense of, you know, we, we are some super spiritual people who other people couldn't do the same things that we do. I don't, I don't feel very superhero. We feel very ordinary. We feel just like ordinary people. We, 
just like most of you, we put our pants on one leg at a time. Just like you, we, uh, we, we struggle with, uh, with things in our daily life. The thing that, the thing that I, when I read in Scripture, read in the history books of history, God uses incredibly ordinary people. And so if you're, I don't know if you fill in the notes here. Um, I don't often follow the notes. If, if, if I stop following these notes, please forgive me. But the first point is that the Great Commission, Great Commission, we'll go, we'll go if we understand that the Great Commission because, you know, when I, I remember one of the stories that really inspired me when I was a young Christian was that of Jackie Pullinger. I read her book. She wrote the book, Chasing the Dragon. This young teenage girl in the UK who knocked on all the different doors of the mission agencies and said, I feel that God is calling me to serve somewhere overseas. And one by one, every mission agency rejected her. Said, you're too young. You haven't got the right education. You haven't got the right gifts and talents. So, through the advice of some of her friends, God calling, why don't you just go? And those were the days when you still traveled to the mission field on, in a sailing boat. And she was on a steamboat. And she just bought, she had enough money for one one-way ticket. She got on the boat and she just started chugging around from the UK and made around. Passed a few different ports and eventually got to the port of Hong Kong. And she suddenly felt the Holy Spirit say to her heart, get off here. Didn't know a single soul in the city. She didn't have very much money. Couldn't even get off the boat because they, they, they were saying, do you have enough money to feed them? Finally got off the boat and the Lord started, began to use her to reach into the small city of Hong Kong. It's heavily densely populated area which was filled with drug, drug addicts and prostitutes and uh, drug dealing, where even the Hong Kong police refused to go in because they were so afraid. And she started seeing the power of God move through these uh, people and, and releasing them from the drug addiction through the power of God. She, she eventually received an award from, from the Queen of England for her service in that mission. But ordinary people, ordinary people, we can tell stories and stories about these. And, and so if any of you feels as if you need to, you need to be a... a fairly talented, super spiritual people for the Great Commission, I'd like to start by saying, you know, this, this is a message for you. The second point I'd like to make is that, you know, God, we can, we can go. We can go because God has given us the authority to do this. You know, Matthew chapter verse, uh, 28, verse 18 begins with, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. This is by, by way of our family, our lineage, our, our sonship uh, in, in, in Christ, we too have this Authority. I learned this lesson as a young engineer when I was working for Toyota. I, uh, I was, I'd only been an engineer for a few years, and I, I would wear my blue jacket with a little Toyota badge there, and I'd go in to audit some of the suppliers that Toyota had. And, and I'd go through their quality systems, and I'd audit them, and at the end of the three days, three or four days that I was there, I'd sit with the management team, and uh, all, the, all the senior, the general manager would be there and all the senior management team would be there and I would present my results for Toyota about their quality system. And it occurred to me that I was just this weenie little engineer and I was telling these management teams what, how to run their companies, at least in this quality, quality system. What right did I have to be able to tell them what to do? The fact is I had this little badge on my shoulder, on my thing, which said Toyota. Because when Mark spoke there, 
it was Toyota speaking. They could say, yeah, we're not going to listen to you. You're just a mere engineer. You've never had enough experience to run a company. But they didn't. They didn't because when I spoke, it was Toyota speaking. And when we go into nations, when we go out to our lost people in this world, we go out with the name of Christ on our jacket. We have that authority. We have that, that, that purpose of Christ, that mandate. And so by, by our sonship, by the fact that we are born of the Spirit and, and called by his name, we have the task to go, but we also have the authority to go. This is our task. The third thing that we've got is not only do we have his authority, but we have his enabling. I love the fact that Tim said, you know, we've got place for all sorts of people in the ministry. You might have, be able to run a seminar. You might be able to do all sorts of things. You might be a teacher. You might be a doctor. It doesn't matter. Everybody contributes. Sometimes I, I tend to think, you know, I, we've got these little loaves and fishes in our hand. and I, I don't know what I can do, Lord. I don't know what I can do with these little loaves and fishes. There's nothing much. I, I can't feed a multitude. The Lord does different things with extraordinary people. I love what Mother Teresa said. She says, you know, God doesn't call us to do great things. He just, calls us, he just calls us to do small things with great love. Now, I don't agree with all, all Mother Teresa's theology, but I do with the, agree with that statement of hers. Sometimes we're not called to do the great things, but we are called to do what God calls us to be faithful to do. He calls us to use what is in our hands, the little loaves and fishes. And this was the sense when we got to India. You know, when we got to India, it was the 48-degree summer. We were starting to learn Hindi, a language. We were just feeling overwhelmed by the culture. Culture shock was starting to hit. Uh, we were starting to learn how to parent in that culture with a one-year-old and a three-month-old. Uh, Ruth was learning to cook in that culture. It, it, her first meal that she cooked in India took her five hours to cook. Because she had to peel the peas, she had to wash it with filtered water, she had, we had to get the chicken and get it killed, you know, all these different things. And we were learning to live in this culture, and we felt overwhelmed. And God just said, Mark, I'm not calling you to convert the whole of India. I'm just calling you to be faithful to what I'm giving you in your hands, your little patch. Because when we got there, people would say to us, you know, we've, the, the number of Muslims, we wanted to reach Muslims there. They estimated that the number of Muslims to the number of workers reaching the Muslims was roughly in a ratio of one million to one. <coughs> we were overwhelmed by that. We'd even joke about it. We'd say, which million do you want? Because you know, <coughs> Imagine the, the population of Singapore. What's the population? About four, five, six million now? So it's just like saying that this front row here Singapore is an unreached nation. There are no churches. There are no Christians. Thank you. <coughs> but it's your job to reach Singapore, unreached people. It was, it was so overwhelming. There are many places in the world who still have that need, where the laborers are few and the harvesters are few. But the, the sense of overwhelming was just accompanied by a sense of God saying, all I'm calling you to do is be faithful. Small things. I've sometimes pondered that uh, little story. And the little kid who had a little tiffin box, a few fish and a few loaves. What would happen if he didn't share? You know, I know Jewish mothers. We, we have good Jewish friends in Australia. We have meals with them every time we go back to Australia. And they always provide food for their kids. And it's one of the things about being a Jewish mother. You provide food, just like good Asian mothers. There's always, you know, have you eaten? 
I'm, I'm sure that in a, in a in the multitude of 5,000 people, there were other people with food. But this little kid was stupid enough, maybe, when Jesus said, any food available? The disciples said, we need some food to share. Only one little kid was silly enough to put up his hand saying, oh, I got some food. And so we see the miracle. What happens if we didn't put the, the little loaves and fishes into Jesus' hand? We went to the cricket once. With that together, we had, with some, we had some Americans, we had some Indians, we had some Australians, and we decided we were going to go and see the cricket in Australia. Now, I don't know, uh, in India. Now, I don't know if you understand cricket here, but we, India is cricket mad. And we, we, was, we were playing Pakistan. And so it was like, you know, it was like World War II. India and Pakistan just hate each other. And uh, the, the Americans didn't understand cricket at all. We had to teach them. But we were, we were sitting in there, and, and because it was such a high, tense match, the, um, the, there was high security there, and the chief minister of our state was going to be there. So they were taking away all our water. They wouldn't, couldn't even allow water bottles in. They took away all our food. My wife had cooked us a few packets of fried rice and all that. They even took that away from us. So we were sitting there under the scorching sun, thirsty, hungry, just watching this cricket match. And... Uh, Halfway through the match, we noticed a guy at the end of the, the, our row, and he, he's doing this on the end of the row. And so one of our friends says, you've got food. And he says, yeah, well, I wasn't stupid enough to give them the food. I hid my food. You were stupid enough to give your food away. So we sort of shamed him into giving us some, some of the biscuits. But can you just imagine what would have happened if the little boy did the same thing? We have the same opportunity. Each of us has gifts and talents. Most of you, you've been in a good church here for many years. Probably you know more than most of our church planters that we work with in India. The teaching here in Singapore is superb in the churches. You probably know more about the scriptures than they do. They, they serve in the harvest with unreached people. We've got something in our hand. It may not be a lot, but it's got something. And so the third point is we'll go if we believe that God has given us the the, the, the the ability to do something. We've got the authority. We've got the ability. These first, the, first, uh, the second and third points that I've got there are all about our identity, right? It's, it's about seeing ourselves in Christ. It's about saying, no, 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 I can't do it. I can't, God can't use me. I know many people who say that. But we need to be able to see ourselves as Christ sees us. And the second thing we need to do is to be able to see the harvest as Christ sees the harvest. Because in, that, in, this, in, the, in the second verse that I, that I read to you from Matthew chapter 9, it says that Jesus was looking out over the harvest. And this is where we capture a bit of his heart for the harvest. Even before he gave us the Great Commission, you can see his heart. He, says, he said he looked out on the harvest, saw that there were sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion for them. He saw. Sometimes we don't see. I know I can... Sometimes I must admit, I look at the harvest and I go, oh, it just seems like such a, a lot of work, Lord. You know, in one of these times, Jesus said to the, you know, you, you feed them, you feed them. And so Philip gets out his calculator and goes, yeah, you know, it would take a few months' salary to feed them, Jesus. How are you going to call us to do this? Jesus said, you know, get them to sit in groups. And he does a miracle with them. There are times that God calls us to look at the harvest and see with his eyes. And we're not talking about unnaturalized, are we? My eyes are getting to the point where I have to sometimes push them to the bottom of my nose to read something. They're getting a bit old. But we're talking about spiritual eyes, aren't we? 
But in Ephesians chapter 1, it talks about the eyes of our heart. And we sing the songs, you know, the, open the eyes of our heart, Lord, open the eyes of our heart. And we, do, we sing with our eyes closed because we're, we're not talking about our natural eyes, we're talking about our spiritual eyes. Saying, Lord, open eyes. And we, unless we see the harvest the way the Lord sees it, we're not going to respond. There's so many reasons, there's so many things in our own life. You know, you know pay for my kids' education. There's, well, I've, got to, I've got to earn some money to feed my family. There's, there's a problem in my business. There's a trouble you know, with one of my friends. There's so many other things to focus on unless we start to focus in on what God is trying to focus on. We often don't see. I don't know if you've seen the YouTube video. They, they, um, it, 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 it troubled me a little bit, and I meditated involved, but they, they did a social experiment. And uh, what they did is they dressed a man in the clothes of a homeless man. So it almost looked like he hadn't bathed for weeks, and his hair was scruffy, and his clothes were tattered. And what they had him do is that he was walking along like this, and suddenly he stumbled, and he fell to the ground. And they wanted to know how long it would take before somebody would help him up. And the camera's on him. This is the YouTube. You can search for it on YouTube. It's there. And the, the minutes are ticking by. Nobody is helping him up. And they do this experiment over and over again. He stumbles. And there are people walking by like this. And I don't know if it was just the makeup that made them do that, but they didn't stop. Then they changed the experiment. They dress a man in a fine business suit. They do exactly the same experiment. He walks along and he stumbles. And within seconds, there is a group of people picking him up. And they do that experiment again, again and again, and exactly the same thing. People help him. Sometimes our eyes don't see the things that are meant to be seen. We see with our preconceptions. And sometimes our spiritual eyes are like this. We need to have the eyes to see as Jesus saw. And sometimes it takes an unfocusing of our eyes on what is before our natural eyes. There's a, I don't know if you heard of a lady called Lilius Trotter. She wrote a song called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. I don't know if you heard that song, you know? Anybody know that song? You're showing your age. We don't sing that song very much in church anymore. You know the song? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full on his wonderful face. And the things of earth will go strangely dim. In the light of his glory and There's a spiritual truth in that song. The eyes, the things of the earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. As we focus on Jesus, things of our natural eyes blur and they become unfocused. The circumstances don't change. I still need to pay the bills. I still need to look for the school fees for my child. My daughter might still be sick, but we see God's glory. It's a bit like, I don't know if you've ever seen those magic pictures, you know, the ones which are all blurred. It's a mass of pictures, and, but you, as you blur your eyes, you see like a 3D hologram. Have you seen those pictures? 
And you've got all these people saying, okay, yes, let's, let's all have a look. And, and, and people are trying to blur their eyes. And he's I can't see it. I can't see it. And suddenly somebody says, yes, 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 yes. I can see it. There's a spaceship. I can see it. There's a spaceship. And the other person saying, I, I can't see it. I can't see it. And the, if you Google it, the, there's a technique. You know, the Google says that you actually have to focus behind the picture. You have to teach your eyes to actually fo- not focus on the picture. You actually have to focus behind the picture. And this is exactly with our spiritual eyes. We have to learn to focus on what is Jesus' perspective. When he looks out on the multitudes, he's not just looking at a crowd, seeing sheep without a shepherd, seeing lost people who are going to a Christless eternity. He's not just seeing people in the office who irritate me because I don't get on with them. He, he sees people who have brokenness inside who needs Jesus Christ. He's not seeing somebody who's always needy and always causing a problem in our group because they always are, they say the wrong thing and they're irritating. Seeing somebody who is in need of friendship and who hasn't yet known the love of God. Unless we see with Christ's eyes, we won't move towards the Great Commission. No matter how many missionaries preach up here, we'll say that's their job. But it's our job. It's the job of everybody to be called in. So, We need to firstly see ourselves as Christ sees us, having the authority and the enabling of the Holy Spirit. But we also have to see the harvest as Jesus sees them. And once Jesus sees them, what does he do? He says he has compassion. Point number five. We will go if we see the harvest as Jesus sees them. And then number five, we will go if we feel Jesus felt in our heart. He says Jesus had compassion for them. You know, the same word compassion is the same word that is used for the story of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan, the, the despised half-breed Jew who the, the, the Jews hated, became the hero of the story, didn't he? The story, the parable that Jesus tells is that two other people, religious people of the day who should have known better to stop, didn't stop. And there were many people, if you exegete the passage, there's lots of reasons why they may not have stopped. But the, the Samaritan came along and he says he had compassion on them. He had compassion on the man and he stopped. And he put oil on his wounds and he put him on his horse, on his donkey, so that he would have to walk. And he took him to an inn so that, and he said to the innkeeper, if it requires any more money when I come back, I'll pay you. Compassion is what moves us to reach the lost. Compassion is the thing that moves us to give ourselves for service in the harvest. The same compassion is the same word which the, the father, the father of the prodigal son had in his heart when he saw the, the son far off distance. And he started, when he realized that it was his son walking, <coughs> he ran. He ran towards the son to embrace him and welcome him back. Fathers in that culture didn't run. They walked with dignity. They came along with an entourage and they paced themselves. This is the compassion that ran, embraced his son, who smelled of pig, because he'd been eating from the pig trough, who disgraced the family, disgraced the family name, and who had squandered the family inheritance. It's the compassion that reaches out to the one who needs to be lost. This is the same compassion that was in Jesus' heart. Compassion, And it's the same compassion that was in Jesus' heart when he saw the 
the multitudes, the 5,000, and he started teaching them, feeding them. If we see as Jesus sees, we will feel his compassion. This is my prayer for you. Not that you'll go yet. Normally, the altar call says, I want you to go. You know, who will go to the nations? I want to give a different altar call today. That you would say, you would pray in your heart, Lord, let me see with your eyes. Let me see the harvest as you see the harvest. Because unless I see the Lord, the harvest, Lord, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go next door to my neighbor, and I'm not going to go to Indonesia, and I'm not going to go to India, and I'm not going to go to China. So if we see, we have a chance of then praying. Jesus, what does Jesus say? Pray the Lord of the harvest. The harvest is a few. There, is a, there are a lot of people waiting for the gospel. There are many, uh, there are probably a, a 40% of the world still awaits to hear the gospel for the first time. Missionaries will tell you so many statistics. I'm not going to tell you statistics. But it just says that ordinary people is what God uses to reach his harvest. Pray the Lord of the harvest. One, Lord, that you might give me eyes to see as you see. Secondly, then pray, Lord, please send out more workers to the harvest. Because there are desperately, this whole ratio of one to one million harvesters, there are, there are so many people groups that still are waiting for the first church planter to bring the gospel there. There are still so many people groups that are waiting for evangelists to come into their communities. I, I spoke to, when I speak to my, when after 10 years we, we left India and we left the, the work in our, the hands of our local Indian partners, they've continued to plant churches. They, they planted, they, we, we had, when I left, we had just started going into a people group called the Bedia People Group. And at that time, they had, there was no known church amongst them. I remember them, the first converts in the villages, telling me, we know of 12 other Bedia villages that we want to go to to bring the gospel. And I was so excited. And so we left India, left the hand, in the hands of our local partners. And a year later or two, I realized that they had started to reach into those villages. I went back last year three years after we had gone uh, from India. Five other Bedia villages now know the gospel. Now believers there. It takes people to go. It takes people who will release, like Jackie Pullinger, who will say, I don't know where God's taking me, but I will go. I will go to where God's following me. Following me. So I want to ask you, the last little bit, what do you see? What is it that you see? Secondly, what has God put in your hands? What talents and gifts and abilities has God given you? The thirdly, where do you think God might actually take you? He might, he might just take you across the road, some of your friends, to the HDB flat. That's okay. He might take you to a faraway place. I never expected to go to India. Yeah. When I was in university, I made my first trip to India. I had a terrible time. I, uh, I, I, I said, Lord, uh, I, you know, I, I was so traumatized by the trip that when the Lord said to me, you're still willing to be a missionary? I sort of said, um, yes, Lord, but anyway, but India. You know, famous last words. <laughs> and, but the Lord uses the most unexpected people. And he, so he brought us back to India. And uh, I, I, had a, I had a good job. I, I was an engineer. By that time, I was a manager in the automotive industry. I had a company car. I had company shares. I'd, I'd, I'd done more than I'd, I'd had my MBA by that time. I thought, wow, God, this is 
Why are you calling me to India? I'm having a pretty good life here. But God takes ordinary people. He delights in that. He delights in taking ordinary people to places where they're out of their depth to show his glory, show for the salvation of people's souls. Let's pray. Pray together. Father, please open our eyes. Open our eyes that we might see you, that we might see ourselves with your eyes, that we might see the harvest with your eyes. Please, Lord, we, we need our spiritual eyes open. Even it says in Ephesians that, that we might know the hope of the calling. Father, for, my, for myself, for my brothers and sisters, may we serve you faithfully with what's in our hand, even if, if we feel it's a few small loaves and fishes. May we put it in your hand. You might work the miracle and feed a multitude. Lord, if you're calling us to places that we haven't been before, places that are out of our depth, places that you ask our feet to travel. We've read that scripture from Isaiah today. Beautiful are the feet of him who brings us. Lord, may, may our feet be beautiful. Our feet travel to places which have never been trod. People who brought the message. May we be like Paul to say, I, I want to go to where the gospel has never been. Thank, I pray for Grace Bible Church, Father, for its amazing heritage and missions that we have, that this church might continue to bless the nations and see people go out. We do this, Father, for the, the glory of your Son and the nation. In Jesus' name.